Brian Winhurst and the Hoop Collective is presented by YouTube TV. Try it free today at youtube.com slash NBA23. New users only. Terms apply. Cancel anytime. Hello. Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing a little after 2 a.m. on Tuesday. Joining me from across the street at the TD Garden right after the Game 7 beatdown that the Miami Heat gave the Boston Celtics to move on to the NBA Finals is Tim Bontemps. Eight and seven, baby. So that's Brian Windhorst in the third quarter of Game 4. Here we sit. What you actually said was the funniest way for this to go would be for the Heat to win in seven. And, well, uh, first I said it's going to be it's going to go seven games, and then I said that. But here we sit. And it was pretty, yeah. it was pretty funny well, how it played he out. He thought it was funny. Join us did. from Dallas, it's Ben McMahon. Howdy, partners. So I did think there was a, um, a reasonable chance that the Heat would win this game. I certainly did not make that prediction, just to be clear. I thought there was a reasonable chance because I felt the way that game six ended favored the Heat, even though that crazy play happened. I think the Heat were better. And so when I got back here to Boston... You know, the thing is, I do get up in the morning a lot of times during the the, the, the playoffs. The, by the way, it's 2 a.m. I got up at 5.45 today. I'm not, I'm just telling you how it is. I'm not complaining. I'm just wow. telling you how it, it didn't is. take long to get a winning sleep update. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the get up meeting is at 6 a.m. on Zoom. If you don't eat breakfast during that meeting, you're not going to get to eat breakfast because it's get up and then first take and then today at sports center. And then usually it's like shoot around or something like that. So as we talked about, I get cereal cause that's what I eat. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I'm in the hotel, I don't even have time to go down to the breakfast at the hotel. It's such a well, tough life. Such a Bontemps tough, tough life. Bontemps was giving me so much crap because I was buying individual bowls. So I go, well, look, well, listen, to set well, the, the scene, to set the scene. We're at the Publix in Miami, the, 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 where we got the infamous milk that led to the, you're making rant. it too long. No, it's really going to be quick. And I said to Brian, as he was hoarding little individual boxes of cereal, why don't you just get a box of cereal, a regular box? Why don't you get one? That's all I said. And there it is, a family-sized box for the listeners. Listen, get this man a Rice Krispies endorsement deal so he can can afford to to cover the cost that he's going to lose on this big old box. I got a box of cereal and and 10... Plastic uh, recyclable bowls. How was How's that milk, milk cereal this morning? Though was it good? Was it tasty milk cereal this morning? It was. It was fine. And I'm just going to say that, you know, had the Celtics won, everybody would have been here in Boston for like eight days, nine days. It would have been. Anyway, my flight leaves in, in uh, five hours, six hours. Okay. Uh, the Miami Heat's flight left an hour ago. They're going to Denver. Um, they packed for a week and booked their and and had their charter um, set for Denver. Now that and, and why was really, that a controversy? By the way, it's not a controversy. It's not a controversy. <laughs> because, because people are because people are stupid. It's not why. I mean, give me. A break. Of course, you have to have your. You have to prepare. If you know. By the way, guess who else had a charter booked? Boston. Boston Celtics. Oh my gosh! Fact, they and, and they were ready was, to go to the finals. Wait, why would they have had a charter booked? I'm telling you, I just saw it on the boards. It was booked and they had to cancel it. To go where? They would have stayed home. Oh, well, maybe that was Denver's charter that I saw booked. Anyway, 
They had one booked last year after game seven to either come home or come go to San Francisco. They won in game seven of Miami and they went to San Francisco. That's what you do. It's yeah. called the right. let's not Let's not focus on that. The focus on um, that this uh, bizarro series ended in a bizarro way. And um, the Celtics played tight. The Celtics um, struggled against the zone. Mm-hmm. And Jason Tatum sprained his ankle um, on the first play of the game. Um, which absolutely hurt the hurt Boston's chances, but I do not want to hear anybody say that that was why they lost. Well, they listen, eight. ask Jalen Brown why they lost because he he I I thought appropriately was extremely accountable. Basically, said I failed. Jalen Brown had one of the worst games of his life when they needed him to to be the guy because Tatum did get hurt early on. Well, listen, Jason Tatum also played 43 minutes. I, I don't, I mean, he was five for 13. He had 14 points. I, I don't want to hear about really that like, oh, Jason Tatum sprained his ankle and the season ended. I mean, he was getting around on the court. He could do stuff. The Celtics did what the Celtics do. This is, they're, you know, they're when down is up and up is down. That's how they operate. And guess what? Game seven was the first time the pressure was on the Celtics again since game three. And what happened? They laid an absolute egg across the board. Last two games of this series, they shot 16 for 77 from three. The Miami Heat, led by Caleb Martin, a.k.a. Steph Curry, shot 28 <laughs> for 58. Caleb Martin, who should have been the MVP and was we'll not get, because well, of you, Bontem, so we will get to that later. We'll, we'll get to that. I feel just fine about my him. Jimmy Butler. No, you screwed yet him. Again. Yeah, of course you do, you Jimmy butt kisser. We'll get to that later. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. But by the way, Bontemps is nagging the, the league office. Hey, we should just name this trophy. Forget Larry Bird. We should just name this trophy after Jimmy Butler next year. By the way, the Heat, as you know, Pat Riley hates Boston. Dating back to when he was a player <laughs> yeah. for, the Celtic, for the Lakers against the Celtics. And then, of course, when he was a coach. Mm-hmm. And he's had 27 years of battles against the Celtics since he's been in the Eastern Conference including last year when he had to watch mm. the Celtics take the trophies off his floor. Eric Spolstra was very clear to Mary uh, made one made it made sure to point out that the, uh, the joy that the heat took with he respect, he praised the Celtics first and everything, but he's like, yeah. it was nice to take the Larry bird and Bob Cousy trophies on the plane uh, to Denver. Um, By the way, what uh, speaking of Pat Riley in Boston, what is your favorite press release? of your entire career or your favorite statement via the uh, PR department. Come on, just was, give us the bridge version. It was a version. jaw-dropping moment <clears throat> that was in New Orleans. Danny Ainge had said something on the radio. Can't remember exactly what he said. It was against LeBron. Mm-hmm. And the Tim Donovan, the uh, Heat's longtime head of uh, media relations, stepped out into the hall before Eric Spolster came out for his pregame availability. And he said, I have a statement from Pat Riley. This is very strange, very unusual that a uh, statement would be issued verbally, not, you know, mm-hmm. on or some sort of release and very odd that Pat Riley, who typically comments on the record three times a year, mm-hmm. one at the beginning of the season, one at the end of the season and once a year at the Heat's annual family festival. I won't get into all those details. And his issue was Danny Ainge needs to shut the bleep up and concentrate on his own team. And but he said the word and Tim Donovan's not a joker. He doesn't, he's not a gregarious, like sarcastic guy. He's a, you know, he can have fun with anybody and laugh, mm-hmm. but you know, when he's executing the duties of his position, he doesn't joke. The Miami Heat don't you tend to laugh about anything. They are a by the right. book business organization. 
That is correct. Doesn't mean there's not good guys there. We uh, we really are fond of many of their employees, especially Jimmy their, Butler. Bond temps was in their locker Bonds. room tonight, and there was uh, there was a, a lot of a uh, lot of people that I was happy for in that locker room. But um, it was quite a comment by uh, on the record comment. Um, and as I always tell people when I tell this story, if there was a fine for that, the league did not announce it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, but anyway, um, they played tight. And the Heat played loose. And one of the things I wanted to know after the game in the Heat locker room is what did Eric Spolstra, how did he decide to handle his team's devastating defeat? Because uh, what called to mind to me was the Spurs in 2013 mm-hmm. when, when Ray Allen hit that shot and they lost the championship. Now, that was the finals, but this was going to the finals and this was with one-tenth of a second left and in – I mean, the shot wasn't as challenging, but it was a more, almost a more crazy set of circumstances. And, you know, after that game, Greg, the team, the Spurs were absolutely devastated. I can still remember seeing R.C. Buford, the Spurs um, president, the look on his face uh, after that game, because they realized they lost a championship. I mean, that close to a championship. And that night, Pop took them all to an Italian restaurant, bought a bunch of wine, sat with it with the groups of the players and like sort of talked it out and had a little therapy session to try to rally that team. And uh, they did, they played pretty well in game seven Um, came right down to the last 20 seconds before the game was decided. LeBron hit one of the biggest shots of his career to ice the game. But so I wanted to ask Spolstra, like, what did you do to get your team? Because they were loose. Mm -hmm. They were loose and they were focused and their game plan was tight. And they took a, uh, a lead in the first quarter and never gave it up. How many lead changes were in this game? Like three? I think um, there was one. Really? Wow. I think so. I think you're right. So I asked Eric Spolstra, and then I asked some players. I asked some players on the record, and I asked some players off the record. And Eric Spolstra said basically he did nothing. He just said, all right, guys, we're going to go to uh, Boston and uh, play, uh, play the next game. And he took a confident tone. I mentioned on the pod the other night, I took a confident mm-hmm. tone with the media. Um, but basically Eric Spolster was like, look, we operate the same every day. Um, and we have the same expectations every day and we're, we're just going to get on the plane and go deal with it. And the players seem to be comforted by the routine of it. And by the time I talked to some players, when when they showed up for the plane Sunday, people were in a better mood. They had a, a film session, and in that film session, when they got to Boston, they uh, went over some of the things that they did well and some of the things they did poorly, but it was a basic film session. They didn't uh, obsess about it. Um, they all knew what had happened. Um, they knew the challenge that they had. They knew they'd lost three in a row. It wasn't obsessed about. And they showed up for shoot-around, and from talking to people, I guess they had just absolutely excellent shoot-around, not one iota of any lingering stuff. And I mean, that's easy to say, like, you know, you got to pick yourself up, but that's not human nature. That's not human nature. Not only when you lose a game like that, but when you've lost three in a row and the whole world is already talking about whether or not it's going to be the greatest comeback in Boston history or just NBA history or just this century or whatever. And they came out in the first quarter and executed their game plan and took the lead and never gave it up. Well, and And, they also got fortunate that the Celtics could not hit a three point. I mean, literally, 0 of 10 in the first quarter, five were wide open. Was it 0 of 12? I mean, yeah. So that helps. 
But yeah, Miami basically went up there and kicked their butts. I mean, God, I cannot believe how bad Boston was offensively in this game. Well, look, the Heat went 28 for 58 over the final two games of the series from three. Celtics went 16 for 77. This team lived and died by the three all year long. We talked about it a bunch. It was miraculous that they were able to pull off the win in game six, going seven for 35. They came back today and tied for their second worst shooting game of the season. So they had their worst two games shooting of the season back to back. You could say that's bad luck. You could say that um, Jason Tatum spraying his ankle is bad luck. But the reason they're in this position and the reason their season is over is because they're a wildly inconsistent team that falls apart in close and tight situations. And that's what happened in game one. That's what happened in game two. And that's why they were in a position where they were put themselves in a spot where one outlier bad game ended their season. And at the end of the day, again, for all the talk about Jason Tatum's sprained ankle, mm-hmm. the Miami here in the NBA Finals, because of all the things that Jimmy Butler does for his team, and they're frankly all the things that Jason Tatum does not do and that Jalen Brown does not do, for all the success that the Celtics have had, and they've had a ton of success, this group, but they have repeatedly fallen, fallen apart late and close games in the playoffs over and over again. Now, they've had a lot of successes too, but when you talk about trying to go forward with this group, obviously you got to have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on this team going forward. They're two of the best young wing players in the league. And this team has got a bunch of guys coming back. There's a very bright future. There's every reason to think they're going to be a championship contending team going forward. But when you watch how Jimmy Butler is down the stretch of these games and you watch how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are down the stretch of these games, and frankly, you mentioned it, Tim. I mean, Jalen Brown had as many field goals as turnovers in this game. That's like, unbelievable. Jimmy Most Butler, turnovers Jimmy, of his life. Eight, yeah, eight, field eight goals, turnovers and shot eight for 23. He, he was Jimmy just, Butler's not Jimmy Butler's not having turnovers like that late in games. They're not just, just dribbling the ball off their feet getting all the time. his pocket picked. They yeah, and some of the shots he took over. the ball. I was talking to Jackson when you guys were taking your sweet time signing autographs in the hotel lobby. Um, some of the shots he took, it's like, why are you taking a heat check when you're not hot? <laughs> like the no pass pull up contested Listen, threes or even they were twos. the zone defense tied them in a knot they were consistently trying to solve the zone defense well I think but where John does that Sh- go back to it goes back to them missing shots they missed shots John- and that that just splintered their team because yeah, when they, they miss shots out- they freak out but they were also out of rhythm because they were john schumann from nba.com said that um that he played 34 possessions of zone tonight mm-hmm. and they i'm sorry and the uh Celtics scored 19 points on those 34 Oof. positions. Well, I mean, they played a lot of positions. That's like, Man, they didn't score a lot on those either. They no. scored well, 84 in the game. Lowest that's, scoring that's game eighth of the grade, season by that, eight that's points eighth grade, That's eighth grade basketball type production. Yeah, I mean, they were um, awesome against the zone in game five when they hit a ton of shots, and they weren't today when they missed a ton of shots. Like, that's, you know, that's the story of their season. So, By the way, um, the, the, the other story was Caleb Martin outplayed – Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And yeah, you so want to give all credit to Jimmy Butler, 12 to 28, instead of Caleb Martin, 11 to 16. All right, well, hold on. We'll talk about that in a second. Just hold on. Hold on. Uh, here's the stats. Yes. Jackson gave them to us. This is the stats for the Eastern Conference Finals. Caleb Martin, 19.3 points per game, 6.4 rebounds, 
60% from the field, 49% from three, 88% from the line. Jalen Brown, super max candidate, 19 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, 42%, 16% on threes. Oh my God. 67% at the line. Um, look, I think he's getting the money just so you know, I'm not taking a position against that. I'm just, it's just, Today's a hard day to talk about it. It's it's tough. He had a bad, bad series. I would still pay him. I would still feel, you know what? They are they haven't been able to break through, but they've got one of the best duos in the league. Both those guys have yet to even hit their prime. I would be in no rush to break that up. And you either pay him or you trade him. And it's like usually you're trading a guy of that caliber because you're going into a rebuild. Obviously that's not what they would be doing. No. Yeah. No, I saw people saying like, up. is this, is this, this last, is their, their last game as teammates? Uh, yeah, that's, that's, I would I, be stunned. I mean, in talking to people on both sides, I think there's a very good chance they're going to find ground on the, because on the, who, who are you I trading agree. for to get better, to get, to get over the right. hump? Or are you, I mean, do you want to you, you talk about Dane? What Trey Young? Like, what do we? I mean, and both no. of those are debatable. The no, reason they I lost mean, this series was they couldn't defend. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, they, 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 they lost because they, they didn't lost, score. No, they lost this series because of a lack of poise. That's the difference, and that's the difference between Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Jimmy Butler. Like, that's the difference when when the when the Heat are in a tight situation. Like you talked about it a bunch, Brian. What did, what's your what's the thing you said over and over again about Jimmy Butler? He thrives on being uncomfortable, right? He thrives on being in tight, difficult situations and, and pulling his team through those situations. When the Celtics are in tight, difficult situations, they go haywire. And the end of these games are oh, just absolute chaos. Sometimes they win, sometimes they lose, but they're just chaotic all the time. And that's because their star players in those moments are chaotic. And that's the, that's the final thing those guys have to learn is how to react and deal with those situations because that's why this team is sitting here. It's sitting here because of a horrible third quarter in game one and a horrible end of the fourth quarter in game two. Like, and that's all go, and it's the same thing going back earlier in the playoffs when they melted down in game five against Atlanta. When they melted down in game one when James Harden didn't, uh, when Joel Embiid didn't play against Philly. You go through the playoffs. It just happened over and over again. It happened over and over again last year. And that's why they lost. I mean, you could point to individual game things, but the Heat were way more poised. That's why they won. Yeah. Um, the Celtics, I've been saying that I thought that the Celtics would give the Nuggets a better series just because I thought the, um, the matchup was better. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Celtics lost three or four home games in this series. No, the Celtics are 11 lost. and 12 at home over the last two years in the playoffs. I think it's worse than that. I think it's like 12 and 13, actually. Yeah. Um, 12 13 would technically be better percentage-wise, but... Would be. Okay. Pretty sure it's 11 and 12. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was 11 and 12 going into game five, my friend. Take that. It wasn't. But that's Ma- okay. Maybe it was 10 and 11. It was 10 and 11. Then they won yeah. a game to 11, and then they lost they one, to 12. Make so it's 11 Make and 12. <laughs> Listen, Wendy, the only math Wendy can do is how much sleep he got last night. It ain't how a many, lot. Got how many, how many shots, <laughs> how many shots are in this box of cereal? 
the Heat won four of the seven games, and game six was a backbreaker percentage point loss. You could argue. Yes. That also, it was insane that the Heat were in position to win that game okay, before but they, the Celtics right. st- stole it at the end. But yes. Fair enough, but they were ahead by a point with three seconds Look, left. The, the Miami Heat should get rolled in this series, but people have been saying the Miami Heat should get rolled going back to the start <laughs> of the playoffs, and they just keep winning. So at this right. point, I don't know what the hell is going to happen in the series because I just keep expecting them to lose, and they don't. I mean, I think the Nuggets win the series, but – you know me, I've never left that Jimmy Butler bandwagon. I believed all the way through, even after that game six. I said, hey, if Jimmy says they're going to do it, I still believe in them. You can't, you can't, you can't cut out Jimmy Butler and Spolster and those guys, but this would be a massive upset. The Nuggets are a significantly better team, and they don't have an answer for Joker. I know Bam's a, you know, one of the better defensive centers in the league. I don't care. They don't have an answer for Joker. Bam against Jokic have been not great. Bam might no. want to remember how to put the ball in the basket. He's, well, that's the other boy, thing. It's been rough the last couple of games. The Heat, the Heat won these games four out of seven, very close to five out of seven. And Bam, the last five games was dreadful. Now he yeah. gets things done at the defensive uh, scoring, end. Scoring, he was dreadful. He did other things, but he could yeah. not score. Yeah. And there was one so, tonight where he uh he basically had Derek White sealed underneath the basket, and he just went up and oh. missed a layup. I'm like, dude, Tim, that's that was tough. That was two possessions in a row. He had Derek White in the on the block, two possessions in a row. One time he threw this insane pass to nowhere, and then the next time he did that and missed the shot. We were sitting mm-hmm. there going, like, what is this guy doing? It was it was wild how bad Bam, like the fact that they won this game with Bam playing this bad, like. It was wild because he was horrendous. Um, I, we were talking, Bontemps and I were sitting together at the games and. Sorry. We were talking about Bam. And then we were also talking about Caleb Martin, who, as Tim said a minute ago, we started calling Steph Curry about game five. Uh, we were just Steph like, Curry team. won a conference of finals MVP last year. If you call him Steph, give him the let's, damn award. All right, let's, let's go. Let's go talk about that's, this. That's where I was getting More Hoop Collective podcast after this. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click, Granger.com or just stop by. They call it running a business for a reason, because every day feels like a sprint to the finish. It takes a lot of work to make it all work. But with Clover and Merchant One, you're always a step ahead. Now is the perfect time to upgrade your point of sale technology. We make it easy to accept payments, run your entire business, and sell more. Clover plus Merchant One, better business solutions. Go to clover.com slash M1 to get started. Okay, that I guess because this is a so, terrible, but, terrible but, selection. I, was there eleven voters or nine voters? I can't remember. Nine, nine before Jimmy won it because Jimmy Butt Kisser over here did not have the courage to go to go off. I'm but, serious. He wants to. He wants a trophy named after him. How? Like this is to me. I didn't say that. Times, this is even worse. Than, yes, you did. You said it last year when you voted for him on the team. At least you got the team right this year. I'll give you that. I That's said. I, I said I want the. I said I want the trophy named after him. I yes. Said that. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Okay. You said it last year think, when you voted for him I despite act- the fact that his team freaking lost. And then you okay. said it again when you voted for him despite the fact that Caleb Martin was the most valuable player in this series. The man shot 60% from the floor, 49% from three-point range. Jimmy yes, couldn't, Jimmy, Jimmy couldn't score his last couple games with any kind of efficiency. Bam went, uh, you know, his offensive game totally disappeared. And Caleb Martin propped this team up on his shoulders and carried them to victory. And you denied this man the best moment of his career just because you're just like got Jimmy bobbleheads at home or some crap. What's going on? I don't understand. Uh, I supported his vote. Oh, geez. He also, Here we go. He this also, is why this is the one time I've ever agreed with Bontem. This is when he called you a jackass. This should have been your prime opportunity for revenge, but here you are going. I, I think we might have said this the other day. Um, Bontemps cast his vote for Caleb Martin when it looked, looked like the Heat were going to win in game six. Well, no, I didn't. I was, Ooh, we had this. Now we no. got some real controversy. Well, no, we didn't get a chance to finish. With six minutes to go in game six, I was ready to vote for Caleb Martin. And then Jimmy Butler closed. I believe you cast your game. vote. Did you I not? cast. I so wait, not. Jimmy got MVP because he performed well for two minutes of a game that they lost? Your logic's no. getting worse here, dude. Well, we thought that. No, just you settle down. You didn't, you're not even letting me finish. With three seconds to go. I know you hate interrupting. Six, I cast. Yeah, you like to interrupt too there, Pally. Uh You've been just barking at me the whole time about this vote. I voted for Jimmy Butler with three seconds to go in game six because of the way he closed that game and the fact that he dragged them over the finish line, just like he dragged them to the point where they had a chance to win that series. They didn't get over the finish line in game six. You bozo. I had to submit a vote. Obviously, they lost the game. So then we move forward to game seven. Obviously, that vote didn't count. I'm just saying that was the vote that I sent to Tim Frank at the end of game six before Derek White extended oh, the series. We come to games. Brownlee brought that up. They, needed, they needed the votes. They, they, they asked the vote. for the votes. They, they needed to know who's going to win. So I told them I was going to vote for Jimmy Butler. Well, then the, game, then the series didn't end. It. So now we come to game seven. And again, Caleb Martin was incredible in this series. I started calling him Steph Curry even earlier than game four or five because he was hitting every shot. However, and rebounding and playing defense. Yes. I know. Played, we, we later we later decided he maybe should, should call him KD look, when he was hitting he was step awesome. backs. He was awesome in this game. He was awesome in this series. But the guy who was winning these games for the Heat, including this game today, in my opinion, was Jimmy Butler. At the end of the first half, the Celtics were making a push. They got it down to, um, I believe it was six or eight points late in the first half. And the ball, there, there was about two minutes to go in the half. I turned to Brian. I said, this is a huge potential swing moment in the game. Boston has been rough here for this whole first half. They can get within four or five, go into the break, feeling really good, or it can go up to 12 or 13. Jimmy Butler immediately comes down and hits a three, then immediately comes down again and gets a bucket, puts them up to 13. They go into the half of double digits. He then comes out to start the second half, immediately makes a three at the start of the third quarter. Then in the, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, he comes down, he gets a switch on Robert Williams, he buries a jumper in his eye, then comes down, steals the ball from Jalen Brown, goes down and dunks the ball. Ended the game with 11 minutes to go. Takes it from Caleb 8 to Martin, 13. Caleb Martin was awesome. But if you, from start to finish, the guy who drives the heat and drove the heat through the series was Jimmy Butler. 
And I asked our boy, the laugh track, who was sitting there with us. Oh, God. I said, who would you vote for? President of the Jimmy Butler fan club. Well, he, I, ultimately, I don't think there was a wrong vote. But also, Jimmy also tie, is huge in games one and two where they established he won, themselves. He literally took over the game down the stretch of game two and just stole it from the Celtics. Like, Caleb Martin's, Caleb Martin had a great series. But at the end of the day, it was basically a tie. And I went to the guy who's the best player on the team and who ultimately was the guy that won them the games. I, it was brutal. It was a harder vote, frankly, than last year when Jimmy when Butler had a terrible vote last year. Well, I, I think that vote looks better and better by the day. So I'm dude, fine you can't, they, they still lost the series last year, dude. Well, <laughs> he was the best player by a country mile in that series. I supported this one was a harder vote. The, I supported the vote. And again, we were having a Caleb bad. Martin love fest. You also eat six, bad six cereal, days. so you're, you you clearly don't have good taste. What else? I'll you say this: I've already if you if, if you had Lucky this Charms thing. this morning, the Celtics would have won. <laughs> <laughs> I've already gotten about as many comments about this vote as I did the one last year. So clearly, this is the most controversial thing of the year: is the well, Easter Conference did, Finals I, MVP award, which didn't exist until last year. So I did I did call you out on Twitter to. Uh, oh, I trust me. I, yeah, I saw. I was getting texts from our friends around the league and things who were either up or down on it. But I mean, I mean, look, it's reasonable. People can disagree. Obviously, a bunch and of our so can we. Yeah, I just fine. don't think it's. I I think it's kind of crazy for anybody to be outraged either way. I, both the guys are deserving of a vote. I that there's a reason. I mean, if, I thought it was pretty reasonable to me that it was five to four. Wendy, how did you let Bontemps get our vote? That's another controversy we got to delve into. I'm not looking for that vote for this exact reason. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to be in, a, in an advisor role, huh? Yeah, I mean, like, um, you know, uh, when and- Andre Iguodala in the 2015 finals, Andre Iguodala won um, another bad MVP. Vote. And a lot of people thought that uh, well, LeBron should have won. Uh, LeBron got some votes. And, um, you know, people, people have still living down the way those votes went. And by I the think way, in I retrospect, told... this would have looked like an Andre Iguodala vote that Caleb Martin had won. Except so. for, did Andre Iguodala shoot 60% from the floor in that series and 49% well, from three-point range? Again, like his accomplishment was he held LeBron under 40 points per game. I'm just saying, you can, you can make an, ar- you could make an argument for Iguodala then. You can make an argument for Caleb Martin. I think Caleb Martin was deserving of winning, but... I think historically, I would say the right guy. By the way, they were talking on the broadcast as Martin's lighting it up. And I'm like, oh, cha-ching, cha-ching. He's going to get paid. Like, uh, fellas, the Heat have him on a contract for a couple more years. Uh, he's well, got one, one more, more year, and then he's got a player option. And if okay, he plays anything well, like he did then. this year, we'll be <laughs> yeah. picking up that player option. I will say this. I will say this about, about the Heat. They always seem to come up with stuff. So P.J. Tucker walked mm. on him. Um, went for ten million. Was it ten million a year? Eleven million a year? He I went got, a full, the full, got the full mid level. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The Heat uh, couldn't get to that number, but so right. Um, um, not like they didn't want to pay him. They just they didn't have the mechanism to to pay him. They didn't have the full mid level to use. And like it's um, going to happen with uh, Bruce Brown and the Nuggets this summer. Exactly. Yeah, Bruce Bruce Brown's free um, is going to be very interesting. Very curious to see what happens with that. Uh, yeah, in fact, it's going to be interesting to watch Bruce Brown play against Caleb Martin. Anyway, yeah, sure they, um, they, uh, they signed Caleb Martin to a contract that started at $6 million. 
and um, four year, four year, thirty million dollar deal, I believe. Yeah, Looking pretty good. And, yeah, and um, so he's making six million this year, so less than Jimmy, Jim, uh, less than um, PJ Tucker. Definitely less than, mm-hmm. definitely less than Jimmy Butler. <laughs> That's yeah. Jimmy Butler, and um, <laughs> tremendous production from him. Um, you know, he's he's not been a scorer in his career. You know, the Heat are, um, you know, he's played. Well, Jackson, is as Jackson just said, zero 25-point games are in the regular season, 20, 26 tonight. This is his wow. fourth year of his career. Is that right? I think it's his fourth year. Uh, something like that. Um, you know, the Heat, you know, after the game, this is very typical in the NBA, but, you know, the Heat were saying, well, you guys don't get to see him practice. You know, because, look, 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 he was coming down and, like, scoring at all three levels, you mm-hmm. know, you know, stepping back, slashing, at one point, posting at up. one point, at one point during the game, Stats Williams texted me and said that Caleb Martin was nine for ten on jumpers outside ten feet in this game, in Game <laughs> Seven of the conference finals. Yeah. He's he's a twenty-seven I, I year old in his fourth NBA season, who by the way was waived by the Hornets. Yeah, somebody retweeted the uh, announcement oh, yes. that the Hornets made in two thousand nineteen when they waived him. I think it was nineteen, might have been twenty. Um, but, uh, you know, Jimmy Butler was like, well, you guys don't see him in practice. You don't respect his game, et cetera, which I guess is true. But um, my point is we've seen the guy in the league for years. He's never played like this. He also no. didn't play in game seven last year. Didn't play a minute. Didn't play yes. a second. So with all due respect, I certainly believe that he's put in the work. It's obviously clear. I certainly believe he did look in practice. But, you know, this is not a situation of people not knowing who this guy is. He is playing no. brilliant ball at an incredible time. And considering Tyler Hero has been out, his scoring has been huge. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've really needed it. And and their three-point shooting as a team in the playoffs has been just absolutely unconscious. Insane. Insane. 28 for 58, the final two games of the series. Like, it's just crazy. And by the way, the Heat are definitely trying to make it sound like there's no chance or very little chance of Tyler Hero coming back for the finals. And he will not be back for the start of the finals at at all. Definitely not. But I watched some of his pregame shooting. It's not bad. It's not bad. So put that in your back pocket and see where we are if we we get to a game four or five. The Heat are making it sound like, no, it's not going to happen. But I don't know. We'll see. Well, they're going to need get... some scoring to keep up with the Nuggets because the Nuggets are lighting it. Uh, the Nuggets' yeah. offensive rating is 119.7 in the They play so and fast, and they play so like fast. A, yeah. I mean, they, the Nuggets should win the series. They should win it convincingly. But again, like, I thought that these guys are going to get obliterated by the Pucks. I thought they were going to lose mm-hmm. to these guys. I thought they could maybe lose to the Knicks. I've just – I'm giving up. Doubt by the way, you know what BPI stands for? Boston Pain <laughs> Index. That's what it is. It's the Boston Pain Index now, not the Basketball Power Index. The Boston Pain Index, and it is at one hundred. It was it a pained. Uh, it was a pained building. TD Garden tonight was a pained, a pained building all the way around. It was tough. Yeah, those folks came for a show and they left with five minutes to go. <laughs> they got a. They got a show. Just it was a horror show. Yeah, it was it a slow death too. They could, I mean, you know, they got it like to eight or 10, like maybe 
Yeah, I think Four they got times. down to seven at one. They point. got it. They got it to seven multiple. They were down seven the end of the first quarter. They got back to seven multiple times in the third quarter. They never got closer than seven the rest of the game. And look, the Celtics have won more games over the past seven years since Jalen Brown's rookie year in the playoffs than any team but the Warriors. They've mm-hmm. played the most playoff games over a seven-game stretch, that same stretch of any team in NBA history that didn't win a title. Like, they have made one deep playoff run after another and fallen short time after time after time. And they're still a really young team. they still got all these guys under contract. It's still a very bright future. But they, they at some point, are going to have to find a way to make that final step. And, you know, I think that starts with their top players. You look at Jimmy Butler, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. I just don't think Jason Tatum is quite at that level yet. And he's, there's still a bit of room to grow to get there. You know what happened the last time the uh, Celtics got to seven? Caleb Martin hit a three-pointer. MVP. MVP. All right. Well, your vote, your non- Counting vote is tallied. We appreciate it. Yep. It's now it's five to five. We can give him a we can give him a paper. You can give him a paper trophy when you see him in Denver. You can hand it to him. Hey Caleb, here's your here's your paper version of the Larry Bird trophy. I made it for you. <laughs> More Hoop Collective Podcast after this. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Before we go, a little uh, news in the NBA today. Nick Nurse hired as the coach of the Philly 76ers. Philly, obviously, when you fire a coach like Doc Rivers <clears throat> and you have a championship-level team, you need to um, make a serious move. They did. Mm-hmm. Um, arguably the top candidate on the market. Depends on how you feel about Mike Budenholzer and Monty Williams, but he interviewed with at least three teams, uh, Milwaukee, Phoenix, and Philly, and um the funny bond temps because nurse has had some interesting playoff back and forth with Joel Embiid over the years. Um, and now they're going to be teammates. Yeah. I mean, Joel just referred to him during the first round of the playoffs. You know, when Jock Vaughn was asking for fouls, he referred to Nick nurse asking for fouls the year before in the first round when the two teams, uh, when the Raptors and Sixers played, look, I, I think it's a great hire for Philly. Obviously I know Nick from Toronto, but you know, like you said, if you're moving on from a coach like Doc Rivers, like Phoenix did, moving on from Monty Williams, like the Bucks did, moving on from Mike Budenholzer, you, in theory, if you have a championship-level team, want to bring in an experienced championship-level coach. Nick's obviously proven he can win a title. They had a chance to win another one in the bubble. Um, they were they were another they were in another game seven with Boston that went right down to the wire in the bubble. If they win that game, maybe they had won the title that year. 
And I think if you look at where the Sixers are from a talent standpoint, Nick certainly got an ability to really boost them. I think that, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. With J- I was going to say, where are they from a talent standpoint? Well, we'll see what happens with James Harden this summer, but they've still got Tyrese Maxey. They still have Joel Embiid, the MVP of the league, under contract long-term. Um, they've got some salary flexibility potentially going forward. And I will say, if I'm a coach looking at these jobs, I trust the front office and ownership situation in Philly a lot. Josh Harris and David Blitzer are pretty solid, sound owners at this point. They spend money on the team. Daryl Morey is proven over time to get star players and repeatedly get star players. And it's a pretty big market. Like they, they've got a young guy, Tyrese Maxey, who I think has shown he can grow as a player still going forward. Obviously, there's a big question with James Harden, what happens with him. But if he does end up leaving, I suspect that Daryl Morey will find a way to turn that into something even if it's just a trade exception to do things with. So I think it's, you know, obviously them getting Nick, you know, I think he's a really good coach. Um, the thought that Joel thing will be interesting, but it's just the first of many moves from them this summer to see where they wind up. But, you know, Daryl's always got a plan. Daryl's you can say whatever you want about Daryl. He's always got 17 different plans going at the same time. So they'll be ready for whatever happens this summer. I don't think there's any question about that. And look, if Daryl's obviously got a relationship with Nick, go back to when he was with Rio Grande Valley in the G league. Um, and I think if you were looking at guys who had ties to Daryl in this search, as much as I um, have a huge amount of respect for Mike D'Antoni, I don't think it would have made a ton of sense for this team to go down the D'Antoni route, given Joel is their best player and given the whole situation with the franchise. I just don't, it did not seem to me to be a, the, a thing that made the most sense I think Dan Tony could have gotten a lot out of Embiid. I think he would have actually helped Embiid. Um, but I do think that the optics of hiring Mike D'Antoni would have been extremely problematic. That, um, yeah, that's more what that's more what I mean. I that's no knock. I think Dan Tony should be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's an incredible coach. I certainly think he could work with Joel Embiid, but the whole would have been perceived as a you're bending over backwards to kiss Harden, but you still might lose him type of deal. And that would have been that's right. Pretty difficult. Uh, what do we think was the best job that came open? I think it was the Philly job. Over Milwaukee and over Phoenix. Because you have Joel Embiid signed long-term. Giannis is not signed long-term in Milwaukee. And I trust the – obviously, you could certainly say that Devin Booker and KD are the two best players on mm-hmm. any of these teams. But, again, to go back to what I said before – I, I know what I'm getting in Daryl Morey and then Josh Harris and David Blitzer. The the Phoenix situation is interesting, to say the least, at the moment. And I, I think, especially with the, these new rules coming in, it being very difficult for teams to add talent. You know, I if I have my choice, I'm taking the MVP of the league that's on a Supermax deal, that's locked up with a young point guard that's on the team, and flexibility to go get players later, and a front office and ownership group that I believe is going to be able to get me players and has a track record of getting me players if I'm a coach. So in, for next season, Milwaukee, I think, is the best job. But who knows where they are after next season? And that's assuming that Chris Middleton and Brooke Lopez are both back. We're both free agents. Let's see if they're re-signed. If they're not re-signed, then that might be the third of those jobs. Embiid's three more years plus a player option. That's an He's interesting debate. It's an interesting debate. 
for sure. There are, I mean, there's not often you have this many jobs with this kind of talent come available. You know, I certainly, Adrian Griffin is a great dude. I certainly hope he does well in Milwaukee. Um, you know, but it's, I mean, these are prime, prime time jobs with top 10, you know, maybe in Phoenix's case, two top 10 players in the league avail on one team. Those are not jobs that come open every day. All right. We'll be talking more about that into the future. So programming note, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. in the finals, we will have podcasts that post on game days and uh, we'll record in the day before. And we have plans to have special guests joining us. Can you believe we're going to let special guests in here? I don't want to give away what we've got booked because I, you know, I don't want to make it to these are NBA a couple of head coaches who are going to be there. We'll see what else we get. We got a pretty high profile head coach booked for uh, the pod that'll post on Thursday. We're going to record. Is there such Wednesday. a thing as a low profile NBA head coach? Yes. Phoenix might hire one. <laughs> Mark Dagonal. Maybe we'll get Mark Dagonal. Is hey. he a high profile coach? No, remember, he's a LinkedIn head coach. Whenever Woj reported that he got the Thunder job, I Googled him, and his LinkedIn was the first thing that popped up. <laughs> I, I mentioned I that to him that. this year. That's really funny. <laughs> I mentioned that to him this year, and, you know, he laughed. And it's no longer the case. Obviously, the guy's, you know, he's accomplished. I think there's been some there. stories written about him. But no he question. did say he did say that he can still go grocery shopping and uh, most times not get recognized. So, yes, I, I think he qualifies. That's, that's going to And change. wasn't job. I think Jalen Williams, the the lottery pick, Jalen Williams, thought he was like a, a player development guy when he. When did, were you the <laughs> one who told that story? I, I forget uh, who told me that story. Jalen, somebody Williams. wrote it. I didn't. I okay. didn't hear it initially. Somebody wrote it. It wasn't me, but maybe yeah. I told it. That's funny. And then I he was wondering why everybody funny. had so much respect for this like player development guy, and realized, oh wait, that's the head coach. <laughs> yeah. So we've got uh, a head coach scheduled to join us on Wednesday. I don't want to jinx it. So, and we've got some more stuff coming for the finals. Um, all right. Thank you for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. Thank you to Jackson, our producer. Thank you to Timothy Bontemps and Timothy McMahon. Thank you for listening throughout uh, our conference finals coverage. And we'll talk to you in the NBA finals. Adios, amigos, and apologies to Caleb Martin. 